0: So I have just one little bone to pick with Creation Care Sunday, and that is that it can be easily interpreted as one day of the year, and it becomes a one-off. Oh, I've done that. We did Creation Care Sunday last week. It's a little bit like saying Child Care Sunday, or Body Care Sunday, or it's it's 24-7, always creation care and the other and the other bone by the way is that thing in us that puts ourselves as the subject of all this when in fact the first acknowledgement we must make is we're the object creation care sunday is first about giving thanks for creation itself and its care for us and in our receiving that care we are then more able to respond by caring reciprocally back this text from morning, from this morning is the one of the creation stories from the book of genesis by the way this is dressed down sunday i meant to add which is why i'm standing up here before you without a robe in blue jeans although they're black and uh, no socks which i'll get to in a minute we were born with no socks. We should be able to live with no socks. The text comes from Genesis 2, verses 4 through 9, and then moving over to verses 15 through 17. Hear the word as it is given to us from this second story of God's creation. It is actually older than the first, the one we are most familiar with, where God spoke and in seven days created the world, and at the end rested on the Sabbath and said it is good to each one. This is the second one and actually the oldest. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The word is an onomatopoeia. It sounds like what it means. Lost my place. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Moving over, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is complete knowledge, you shall not eat. For in the day that you do eat of it, you shall die. This is the word of the Lord. When I was a child, I could remember having no problem feeling grounded and connected to the earth. It was in the way we played. Oftentimes barefooted, we would play everywhere we could in backyards and under trees It was God's playground for us, created for children to run and to crawl and to laugh and to frolic. And the more of this we did with the fewer clothes we had on, the more connected we felt to the earth. We would wade in creeks behind our home and search in there in the creeks for crawdads and and, and little salamanders and find out how many we could collect before pouring them back in we would play hiding, go seek, of course, under trees, and or climbing trees, and under bushes in the, in the dusk of the evening after dinner. I remember having no irritation with the insects. Mosquitoes, no problem. Gnats, didn't even know they were there. Ticks, chiggers, no, no problem. I didn't even realize that I was having an encounter with them until I began to grow up. They're just part of the deal. Some nights we would run around in the backyards on the wet grass catching fireflies, dragonflies, no, what do you call them? Fireflies. Well, whatever you call them, I call them fireflies. Uh, we'd catch them in jars, right, with little holes in the top, keep them alive. And, Then we'd let them go, or when we were feeling most malicious, which was unfortunately too often as a 10-year-old boy, we'd go around splatting them with badminton rackets and then taking, pinching off their uh, tail, putting them in a jar to find out who could get the brightest jar before the night was over. That's not a great story for Creation Care Sunday, by the way. (laughs) As I grew older I saw that God's playground morphed into clearly lined out playing fields for football and basketball and tennis and golf courses. And I went from being barefooted to literally coveting the right sports shoes to wear. The first of course was the Chuck Perry Converse All-Stars. You had to have a pair high tops. Then, of course, the right football cleats. I remember when I got my first pair of golf shoes with metal spikes in it. I swear I thought from then on, I was going to play golf like Arnold Palmer. The shoes make the man. Since then, sports shoe companies and the business that they offer have become a driving force in our world of athletics. They control college recruiting and huge contracts. Nike, Adidas, Reebok, and Under Armour are the brand. This sports shoe phenomenon, by the way, is only 60 or so years old. The result, I think, of being able to create cheap rubber and the power of Madison Avenue marketing. For five or six million years before, humans spent most of their time either walking barefooted or with animal skins wrapped around their feet or making sandals out of leather. Now, we have been insulated by the rubber soles on most of our feet. Now, you may not believe this, but a lot of scientific evidence says that the ground that is before us, I'm talking about the earth, carries within it an electrical charge that pulsates, and we are connected to it, we receive that electrical charge, and it brings a sense of healing and health. We have that electrical charge in ourselves, and when we die, there is no electricity left, it's it's obvious. And the studies they have shown is the, the, the last 60 years, as we've put rubber on our shoes, that has insulated ourselves from the electrical charge, there has been a large increase in the number of autoimmune diseases, anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. Now, maybe it's a coincidence, but I wonder, as technology continues to do its way with us, Aren't we becoming more and more distanced from the ground of our being? I mean, we used to walk everywhere, right? And then we would ride animals and then we would ride maybe in a wagon and that morphed into a locomotive which morphed into an automobile and now into an airplane. Less and less time do we spend with our feet on the ground, barefooted, I'm taking my shoes off. You may if you like. By the way, this is a great meditation. If you're having some anxiety or you're stressed, take your shoes off and put them on the ground and just feel your feet on the ground. Just pay attention to your feet on the ground. For three minutes, just focus. Focus. Another one, by the way, is a walking meditation. You may do it through a labyrinth, or just walking around in a circle. And as you walk, you feel your feet hit the ground. You've done this? Pretty cool, isn't it? So all of a sudden now, you are connecting to something besides all those monkeys in your head trying to hijack you with worry, anxiety, and regret. You are connected. Not the least of which is you might actually be given an electrical charge that empowers us. As I continue to wonder about this, I worry some about where we're going. From evolution into more technology, there's a devolution from our connection to the Earth. Think about it, one day we're just gonna be sitting behind some computer screen, watching artificial intelligence do all of the work we used to do And now our world will be virtual, not real. We deep down need that connection to the earth because out of the earth we were created. And since we've moved from being an agrarian society to an urban society, that disconnection has affected all of us, psychically, spiritually, biologically in every possible way. We need it because, as the story says, when God decided to create the universe, he created the world, and there was nothing on it. There was no rain until he let the brook come up out of the ground to water the ground enough, not first to produce foliage, but to produce enough mud so that God could reach down and grab a handful of it and mold it into the first human presence, the man called Adam. And so there was this statue with no life, no vitality, until God blew God's breath into it, and voila, there was life. The first life force that God created in this story was man, out of the dirt, the dust. Do you know what his name was? Adam. It comes from the word Adema in Hebrew, which means dirt. And in fact, he was literally a dirt bag standing there, unlifelike, until God's inspiration, God's breath, was blown into him, and then he became a living human presence with the image of God as part of them, Fascinating story the way the Hebrew people understood how God creates things because it is God's breath, God's spirit that does it. It's not hard to see that we've lost ourselves with that. The Greeks in 2,500 years ago began with Plato and Aristotle and Socrates to understand the power of the mind and philosophy, and part of that was that they looked around and said, you know, we're really two different pieces. We are a body, and we are a soul. And the job of life, the purpose of life, is to get as far away from the body and the material as we can, because the material is mortal, and it's not infinite, and it doesn't last. Besides that, bodies... And that weird stuff comes out of bodies. The body's not good. What you want to do is you want to rise above the material in the body into the spiritual realm. That's why we have seven days. They're seventh heaven, you've heard. It's about getting out of the earth into the higher levels of, the, of, the, of, of heaven. Only they were wrong. But that is so ingrained in us. That we still think that when we die, our body stays here and our spirits go to heaven. If you've ever said the Apostles' Creed, you're saying what? I believe in the resurrection of the body. And what we mean by that is the Jewish understanding that God is one is that we are one. Body and soul are all one organic whole. All one thing. It may be a new body, But it is still connected, body and soul. So here's the thing, you see. We're not just talking about my body or your body. We're talking about everybody, every part of God's creation. It is a new creation, he says. And all through the Bible, you can see it. If you're looking for it, it's as bright as the sun. This whole understanding of creation as being a part of God's gift to us. It's all through it. Well, we use... Part of it from our call to worship. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And what makes us human, the root word for it is hum, H-U-M, right? Not hard to spell. What makes us human happens to be the same source, the etymology for the word humus. You know what that is? Dirt. Happens to be the same etymology the same root for the word humble which keeps us humbled because we do not have full knowledge we do not have access to good and evil knowledge we're humbled because we know our beginnings out of the ground and in the scant nine verses that I just read to you the writer uses the word earth or ground eight times. Eight times. Remember in the Exodus story when Moses was keeping his father-in-law's flock and he came over a mountain and he saw this amazing sight, a burning bush, which I happen to think was probably a maple tree in the fall and he saw this, he was full of awe and wonder for this natural event. So he walks over to it, and all of a sudden as he gets close, he hears God say, don't come any closer. And take your shoes off, because where you were standing is holy ground. And the point of that, of course, is since all of God's creation is holy ground, We carry that same respect. We take our shoes off. When's the last time you took your shoes off? At the beach and in the shower, right? Well, I don't know about your hygiene, but yeah. And if our, this is an aside, I think if our children would go barefoot more, they'd have a lot fewer earaches, just saying. The Bible makes witness to this over and over and over again. When Job was scrounging around trying to find out why God had punished him and he was going through so much suffering, in his self-righteousness, he refused to confront God directly until finally exasperated, he gave up and looked at God and said, why? And God humbles him. Same root, humbles him by asking him, where were you when I created the universe? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have such understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you must know. God goes on like this for verse after verse after verse, and now Job humbled, found the position that we all must find ultimately To know who we are and whose we are, the position of on his knees, with his face planted where? On the ground. He was human and humble. It's all through the Bible. In Isaiah, forecasting the coming of the new creation, the Messiah. It was an ecological event. A shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb and the leopard with the kid. The cow and the bear shall graze together. All the animals in creation, including humans, will be one. An ecological and biological shalom, peace. And they will not hurt or destroy each other on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of God. You get that? That's the vision. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. The crocus it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The mountains and the hills shall burst out in song and the trees will clap in the fields. This is the Denouement, the resolution, the reconciliation of all God's work, for I am about to do a new thing, create a new heavens and a new earth. Move forward to Jesus. He seemed always connected to the ground of his being, mainly because he walked everywhere, except once that we know of, he rode on a donkey during his last days. He walked everywhere on land and even once on water. I wonder what it would have been like. I wonder what Jesus' witness would have been like if he if he had been born later when there was transportation. He'd be riding around in the Mobile, moving too fast to see the suffering of the poor around him, the leper and the lost and the least. Whizzing past the fields and the farms, seeing them shoot by instead of walking with his feet in the mud of them, touching them tactilely. wonder how his parables might have changed. No more, a sower went out to sow, right? No more, look at the birds of the air. No more, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. No more metaphors like, I am the vine, I am the good shepherd, I am the water of life. And Paul too, after lamenting that all creation groans in eager longing, That God will bring a new earth and a new heaven to bear all creation. On and on. Until it comes to the end of the Bible. Which we think, the apocalyptic people think, Oh, God's going to wipe out everything, the great apocalypse, and just bring forth in the rapture the 144,000 good people. That's not it. Keep reading. The point is, at the time, there will be a new heaven And a new earth, the old had passed away and the sea was no more. And now it's all earth and land, dirt and ground. And a new holy city coming down to the ground, down to the ground. The heavens are coming down to the earth, not the earth going to the heavens. And a voice saying, this is the home of me among mortals. And he will dwell with us on the ground. That's why I cannot understand how some evangelical conservative groups like Focus and the Family proclaim that earth doesn't matter. According to the manual they send out to church groups, quote, environmentalism is a litany of the green dragon. That's one of the one of the animals in Revelation. It is a litany of the Green Dragon and one of the greatest threats to society and the church today. Other sources similar in the manual they send out recommends promoting the notion that the earth is 6,000 years old. They question the validity of science regarding carbon dating and climate change. Using the Bible as proof text against it, it's the same kind of false truth that Jesus accused the Pharisees of, of, you strain gnats but swallow camels. So here's something we can start with. Read the Bible for yourselves with the perspective that it's all about the earth and creation and God's work among us here, now, as well as there, then, Read it for yourselves and take your shoes off and go for a walk. Done properly, this spiritual practice alone of going barefoot and walking on the earth can wake us up to our own place in the world. It will ground us. It can ground us to who we are and whose we are and can lead us to love God with our whole selves and begin to understand that God loves us in our whole selves. We don't even have to leave our backyards. Just do it, Nike says, but don't wear the Nikes. It will teach us how to live connected, belonging. As long as we are on this earth and know it we are here where we are supposed to be and then we have everything we need to ground ourselves in God and to each other and to ourselves reconciled with the earth. And if you can't walk, touch it with your hand. Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Buddhist Christian said the miracle is not to walk on water. The miracle is to walk on the earth. Amen.